We are starting some talks which we're calling the comeback story um, because we believe there's a lot that we can learn from this, this scriptural comeback story in a period of time when our world is changing so much. In fact, we're returning in so many ways to the world that we've uh, lost a little bit over this past year and discovering what's the same, what's different. Uh, and as well as that, each one of us, so many of us that follow Jesus have our own incredible comeback story as well of how uh, so much has been lost in our lives, but we've experienced the love and the grace of God in our own hearts as well. And so we're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament over these next uh, four, four or five Sundays. And uh, Nehemiah, if you if you look do an Amazon search under just type in Nehemiah, if you type in Nehemiah leadership, you'll discover that there are dozens of books that are written about the, the, the man Nehemiah in the Old Testament and his leadership experience and what we can learn from the leadership of Nehemiah. Um, and Nehemiah was a person of great influence. And I believe there's so many people in our community that are also people of incredible influence. Yet at the same time, you know that you and I need coaches in our lives. We need people to, um, to coach us, to give us direction, to give us wisdom. People who've gone this way before, we need to learn from others around us. And Nehemiah is a great place to learn from and to learn leadership, to learn influence, to learn how to act during times of great change, during times of great comeback. And because we're facing that right now in our culture um, and in the church, we wanted to look at what we can learn from, from this story, which is 2,600 years old. Um, the, the, the backstory of, of Nehemiah's world was that uh, in 587 BC, the Babylonians had taken, were a superpower that had taken so many of the Jewish people into exile into Babylon. They had destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And 50 or 60 years later, the Babylonians were, were, were conquered by the Persians who then allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem. Um, but when they returned, they met a city. They, they found that their city was in ruins. They found that their uh, temple was in ruins, that the, the, the walls and the gates around the city of Jerusalem were in ruins. And this might not seem too much of a problem for us, but it would mean for them that their, their city would be at risk of attack and really have nothing to defend itself with. The news of this destruction got to this man, Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes in Persia. And when he heard this news, rather than, um, uh, rather than this news paralyze him, it, it inspired him to move. It inspired him to, to want to influence and to bring change in this situation. Not to think, oh, I'm just, a, I'm just a victim of what's just happened. But I could be a catalyst during this time. I could be somebody that brings monumental change during this time. And... Uh, and he, he, he mourned, he fasted, he prayed, and God opened doors for Nehemiah. And with the favor of the king, uh, he was allowed to return back to Jerusalem, take time off of his job, return back to Jerusalem and lead the way to rebuild the walls um, and the city of Jerusalem. They, the, 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 the king of uh, Persia gave them supplies to do it. Um, they faced um, opposition on every side, but they... Uh, in just 52 days, because of the great leadership of Nehemiah and the hand of God on his life during this unique time, the walls were rebuilt around the city. But 
Under more, what was more significant was that under the leadership of Nehemiah and Ezra the priest, there was also a spiritual revival as well, a spiritual renewal. This was a, a comeback story of dramatic proportions. It was, it, was the, it was the return to a life that they thought that they'd lost forever. Um, but before any of this happened, Nehemiah didn't, wasn't just a man of action, a man who went to act, but he was also a man that sought God. He fasted, he prayed, he mourned, he wept. And what I want to share today with us is this thought that very often before God is going to do something through us, he has got a desire to do something in us. When we can look around at us and so often we want to attack whatever situation in the world we feel like is wrong that we've got to deal with, God sometimes wants to slow us down and say, well, first, there's something I want to do in you, in your heart, because although you don't know it, maybe your heart isn't ready for what I'm going to do through you yet. Isn't that true? Sometimes God wants to work in our hearts first before he works through us. And let me just read some of these, these verses. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 2 says, Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And listen to Nehemiah's response there, just an incredible response that he had. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He receives this news that the city is overrun, the whole place is disgraced, and Nehemiah is heartbroken. Not just for, for days, because if you take a careful look at the scripture, you'll notice that Nehemiah actually fasted and prayed and wept for months before he took action. Because there was something taking place in Nehemiah's heart. Something that God was doing. God was building up a what we call a holy discontent in Nehemiah's heart for the situation that was around him. You know, it was, uh, it was Jesus, wasn't it, that went into the table, went into the temple uh, and saw the money changes, saw the place where they were, they were turning the temple into a place of, uh, into a market and a place where there was currency exchange and, and trading going on. And he was, Jesus was mad and Jesus was righteously anger at what was taking place in God's house that just shouldn't be happening. And uh, a holy discontent is where we, uh, inspired by God, get a, uh, a, a, some sort of a, what I would call a heartburn, a burn in our heart that something is wrong with the world and that, that it's, just, it's just not right and that something should be put right. Nehemiah had this, this situation that he was facing that I can't stand it anymore. I, something's got to change. No more will I, will I deal with this situation. Will I allow this situation just to carry on as it is? And we've probably all been there at some point in our lives, haven't we? We've been there where we, we, we say no more, like this, this far and no more. I'm not going any further with, um, with my marriage issues, with mediocrity that I'm facing in my life, with a, with a sin issue, with something that I'm facing, that we, we, we kind of get to the place where we're like, not any further. And Nehemiah has got, uh, this in his heart. He's got this burn in his heart, but he chooses first to pray. He didn't pray once. He prayed for months because God wanted to do a heart change in Nehemiah first. Verse 5, 
of chapter one. It says, then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night before your servants, before your people Israel. You know, in this, in this prayer that goes from verse, verse 5 to verse 11, Nehemiah addresses God, references God, um, either directly or indirectly, like 40 times. He recognizes that God is his source. He recognizes that God is, is, is at the, God is the starting place of any change, that God's help is going to be the starting place of any change for Nehemiah. You know, when we uh, recognize God first in our prayers. It opens up a way to change our perspective, doesn't it? You know, Jesus said when he, when he told his disciples how to pray, he didn't say, pray, our Father, here's all the things that I need and I need you to fix. He said, our Father, he said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That our prayer experiences should start with worship. Our prayer should start by honoring God, by declaring God. And Nehemiah just does exactly that. He declares all this stuff of who God is. You, you are a God of love. You keep your commandments. Let God be attentive to my prayer that I'm praying day and night. He recognizes that God is his source. God is his strength. And I think as we, as, as you and I learn what it is to, 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 to uh, recognize God's power and God's presence in our lives. Um, it changes our perspective. Our worship gives us the perspective God wants us to have in the midst of our problems. Now, we're in this, uh, we're this, we're in this period of change right now. We're in a, t a period of returning, a period of comeback, a period of restoration in so many ways, in both in, in, in your natural and daily lives, whether your kids are going back to, have gone back to school, whether you're feeling like a different vibe in the grocery store, whether you're back in an office, um, and also for us as a church as well, not just returning to meet again, but recognizing that our, our, period, our initial period of struggle uh, in the last year has kind of over and we're, we're able to, to return to normal life. But we could just go on autopilot and return to what we're going back to without recognizing that there has been changes that might never, that, that might never be the same again. And God, I believe, wants us to come back and recognize him in all of it. Recognize that, that God is our source, that he is the one that we turn to in times of change. Next time you pray, and especially now, Start by declaring who God is. Start by declaring God's greatness in the midst of your situation. Start by declaring God's power and God's truth. And, and, and Nehemiah goes on in, in, I think, what's the word I'm looking for? In honest detail about who he has been and who his people have been in the midst of this tough time. He says in verse six, I confess the sins that we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands that you gave to your servant Moses. Now, this almost seems like a shock. Moses is taking responsibility. Like Moses, sorry, Nehemiah is taking responsibility. You could say that Nehemiah could have blamed uh, the Babylonians. He could have blamed Persia. He could have blamed, blamed King Artaxerxes, but he, 
He recognizes that there's something within him that is far from God and needs to change. You know, I don't know if you're, if you're uh, the first thing that you think of when, when you reflect on this, but the first thing that I think of is the, the racial tension that we've gone through during this last year that has, has caused me in a way that it never has done before to recognize, God, I wonder where I have been complicit in this problem. I wonder where I have been racist. I wonder where, and, and, and it's, it's made me think of my own actions like never before because the, 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 um, the onslaught of need for justice in our country was so, has been so strong that it's, it's made a person like me who was some, for, for a lot of my life, ambivalent to the need, uh, made it recognize recognize my own sin, my own racism. Now, that's not what this story is necessarily about, but I make that point because whenever we are faced with a situation like, I want to change this, I want to see this changed, I want to uh, see God come in here, and I want to roll up my sleeves and do something about this, this problem that's over there, this problem that's, that's in, in some other part of our culture or the country or the world that we want to fix. There's always, there should always be a moment where we recognize, God, what has been our part? Where have we sinned? Where have we been distant from you that has caused this situation? And Nehemiah could have easily pointed the finger at others, but he chose to point the finger at himself and recognize his own part. When there's, a, when, there's a, when there's a challenge like this, you, you recognize it's time to act. And I want to I encourage you today, when, when, when we live in this world that is changing so rapidly and it would be tempting for us to want to just jump in and dive in and fix things and, and change things and update things, do we take a step back? And I'd like to give you sort of two or three quick challenges. Will we take a step back and recognize, God, what, what is the holy discontent that you're placing in my heart? God, what, what change are you wanting me to be a part of? And how will you let, and how will you and I let God change us first? Before we act, how will we let God do something in us before he does something through us? And so as we journey through this, uh, this comeback story over these next few weeks, I'd encourage you to read the books of Nehemiah and Ezra. If, you, um, if you're looking for some scripture to read, read the book of Nehemiah and get your heart and your head a little bit in that journey that Nehemiah was on in this real rebuilding process and see the, the care and the thought and the introspection that, that he gave this time before he went forward and acted because I believe that God often wants to change us first before he works through us.